2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 3. What I want to do this morning is I want to introduce the series that we're going to do on Wednesday evenings, all right? We're going to start on Wednesday evening, starting this Wednesday evening, and it's based on the book Understanding the Times by Dr. Paul Chappell, and the undertitle is Living Courageously in Prophetic Days. Do you realize that we're in prophetic days today, that we're in days when uh, things are happening, that things are coming together, or things are coming apart, you might say. Uh, we are in strange days. Uh, definitely things are changing. Uh, <clears throat> Our lives are changing, our world is changing, everything is on the move and changing. And we need to understand that it's not just the economy. And it's not just the world's situation. It's actually all part of God's plan. God knows about it, God has planned for it, and God is going to bring it all to a conclusion that is the one he has planned for it and he has intended uh, all along. And we're living through some of those days. Now, <clears throat> the thing for us uh, is, though, that the Bible warns us to be wary of these things and to understand and to know. And it's not that we need to be frightened or scared because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Uh, we need to understand we're in dangerous states. Our passage is going to call it perilous times. Right? Perilous times, dangerous, um, fierce, terrible times. We're living through those times. We need to be aware, aware of what God is doing and of his plans in these days. And we need to be clever in the sense that we're following God during these days, even more closely than normal. You know, listen, if you go out driving in the rain, you have to be more careful than you are when you're driving in the dry. All right? Because your car may just slip. Your car may skip. You go driving in the snow or the ice. You've got to be more careful doing that. <clears throat> you know, and what they'll do is they'll put up warning signs telling you, listen, it's dangerous. You'll hear it on the radio. It's dangerous. Now, God tells you it's dangerous to live in these days. Now, he doesn't tell you it's dangerous to live in these days to make you frightened or fearful. He tells you it's dangerous to live in these days to make you careful. Because if you're not careful, you'll get caught. So we need to be careful. We need to look to him and we need to <clears throat> depend upon him uh, very closely and very clearly in these days. Now, the problem for us is that the world does everything it can. It always does with believers. But it does everything it can to pull us away from that place of depending upon God. It does everything it can to unsettle us as far as our walk with God is concerned. And we need to be wary and be careful. Now, we're going to look at a whole chapter today. So we're going to have to move fairly quickly uh, on some of it. But we need to get the whole chapter to actually catch what, <clears throat> what, what God is saying to us here. You know, in, in the first part, we're going to deal with the perilous times and the description of the perilous times that we're living in in the here and now. And then in, in the second time, he's going to show us how it affects spiritual things as well, how it affects the church. And then thirdly, he's going to give us uh, the methodology for how to live effectively in these times. All right, so let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll begin to read. Father in heaven, would you bless us today, Lord? Would you reach down and touch this room and touch this people? Lord, uh, we confess before the service started, Lord, we need a blessing. And Lord, we know the blessing won't come from me, Lord. Lord, the blessing's got to come from you. Lord, would you reach down and touch and bless today? And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right, let's know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now, this period of the last days uh, is something that we need to understand. The reality is the last days are from the time of Christ until the time he comes back again. And those are the last days. But there's a certain sense in which, uh, you know, as we get closer to the end, uh, it becomes more the last days. 
you know, like the progressive pains of labor, you know. I mean, we could say labor runs for 24 hours, but a woman might say, well, hang on a minute, labor really lasted for two hours. That was, that was the hard labor uh, that was involved in it. Uh, and what we've got is we've got the labor pains of a world that is destroying itself and <clears throat> decaying, uh, and um, God is dealing with the situation. And honestly, I think that we could safely say, you know what, listen, we are very close to the end. Now, I'm never going to put a date on it because no man can, but we're close to the end. You know, there are a lot of things that are going on. There are a lot of things that are, that are, that are <clears throat> happening even on the world political scene that, you know, in a, in a heartbeat, everything could snap into place and it would be over. In just a heartbeat, it could all happen. Now, we as believers are supposed to live with that in mind. Again, we're not supposed to live in terror and dread of it. We're not supposed to sit home waiting for it to happen. We're supposed to be serving the Lord, but we're supposed to live waiting for the trumpet sound, waiting to be called to be with him. But we are living in perilous times. There are a lot of things, you know, that you're looking at in the news. You're looking at all these nations around the world that are uh, overthrowing their rulers. And I wish I could say, you know, it's a great thing. You know, it means freedom, liberty, and democracy for everybody. Uh, no, it doesn't. <clears throat> and I'm not sure democracy works as well as we think it does either. You know, the whole situation is really deteriorating as far as the world scene is concerned. You've got Iran and Israel uh, squaring up. And really, within the next few months, they have to square up and deal with the situation there. And and on and on and on it goes. The economy in, uh, in Europe and in, in America, everything is looking shaky in our world. <clears throat> and... Paul tells us that there's going to be perilous times. There's going to be fierce times. And then he describes those perilous times for us, right? <clears throat> Verse 2, he says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Well, that's very true of our day, isn't it? Men are lovers. That's always been true of man, but you know what? It's getting to be more true than it used to be. See, if we go through the generations, I mean, the last hundred years, the last 50 years, even if we were to look at the last 20 years, the changes in our society have been dramatic. You know, uh, up to really the, uh, the 50s, you, you, you had no generation gap. Do you realize that? There was no generation gap until the 50s. People didn't recognize generation gap. What you had was you had families that raised and kids that went to work, and everybody was part of the family and part of the work and so on, and the, there was no such thing as a generation gap. It just wasn't recognized. You know, if you, if you talk to, you know, people that lived before 1950, uh, you know, they, 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 they understand the generation gap because of now, but for them as children, they, 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 they look at you and they wonder because it didn't happen then. Everybody was part of the same family. Then, but you, you get the 50s, things change, music changes, and all kinds of things change, and now you've got a generation gap. But even in... The rebellion of the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. If you listen to the music of those days, it's change the world. We're going to make the world a better place. Right? That's the heartbeat of it. But you know what? As it gets on in the years and you come to the music of the 90s and the 2000s, uh, what you've got is you've got a music that really doesn't care about the world. A music that says, I'm going to do what I want to do. A music that says, I'm going to have fun. And, and, and the bigger picture is lost. You know, and even as you look at just that decaying in society, you know what? You're seeing people come to the place rapidly where all they're interested in is themselves. They're, they're, you know, the generation that lives today is very focused on themselves. We're very focused. We expect a lot. You know, and we expect it to work for us. And really, when it comes down to it, we're not all that interested in the other guy and how he's getting on. 
because we want it to work for us. And we're more self-focused as a generation. Now, listen, this ought not to be true of you. Okay? But you are affected by the culture that you live in. You don't live in a bubble. You are actually affected by the culture you live in. And being affected by the culture is always negative. It's always negative. Because we're supposed to be different. Or we're supposed to love not the world. But uh, men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous. We're talking in Sunday school about this. Do you realize that the covetousness is actually part of the roof and fabric of our economic system? Every advertisement is pitched to make you covetous. It's pitched to make you desire more things. You know, uh, we started off the, again the beginning of the 20th century with you know uh, much less stuff for people to buy, and and they didn't want it. And shopping was a chore. Once a week, you went to the shops to buy the groceries and get bring the things in, and, and that was it. You had two pairs of shoes, one for working in and one for Sundays, and, and that was it. And uh, what happened was they actually created an economy that's dependent upon what they call consumerism, and consumerism is you buying more stuff than you need. That's what it's based upon. Right? And listen, everybody here is affected by that. Anybody here that only has two pairs of shoes? You know, listen, we, we are affected by it. We are all affected by it. It has, it has changed completely, and um, we're caught in it. Right? But it's covetousness. You've got to understand that, that the Bible forbids covetousness. But our society makes it a virtue. If you could actually produce a formula that would remove covetousness from people, you would be in trouble in this society because you would just destroy the economy in that one thing. Because covetousness is part of the way modern, the modern world works. And what's happening is, you know, they're spreading the consumerism thing all over the world, and that's what's making the world grow, and that's what's making it work. And everybody's doing better, and you know what, listen, I suppose financially and every other ways, we, we at least on the outside look better. But you know, there are a lot of women in this room that have to work to maintain the looking better. Whereas 50 years ago, Women looked after families. They didn't have to work. You know, so you've got to understand that there's a cost. There's a price tag on, what, on what's happened. Uh, this covetousness. And in order for us to change it, we have to step out of the covetousness. So we need to be careful uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, covetous boasters. Proud. You know, it amazes me. The stuff I hear said that flies in the face of God. It just absolutely amazes me. You know, the... the um, uh, I didn't didn't look at this, but I but but I looked at the title of it. Uh, it, it was uh, Dawkins, and he was he was talking about the uh, the, uh, the 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 well, the lie of God. And I thought, how can somebody stand to actually put that down in print, and then to produce a documentary that would actually uh, back it up? Men are proud today. Men think they can control the whole thing. Men think they have everything under control. You know, um, when, it, when it comes to um, uh, global warning, warming, man, man's going to fix it. They go, they're going to fix it. Whatever the problem is, they're going to fix it. And man thinks he can do it. Oh, man doesn't need God anymore. He's, he's very proud. Listen, that was not so almost universally 50 years ago. I mean, there have always been those people who claim to be atheists. But you know what? They weren't many. And there were fewer that would actually declare themselves as such. 
But now you've got little man is prepared to stand up against God and shake his fist in God's face and say, you're the cause of the problem. And we, we live in scary days. Um, <clears throat> blasphemers, not, not afraid to call God down. Disobedient to parents. By the way, isn't it interesting that that one's thrown in there in the list of the big ones? You know, you've got, you've got the big artillery in, in there. You know, you've got, you, you got the jet planes and you've got the um, cannon guns and so on. And, and then you have a little pistol in there, disobedient to parents. Do you, do you know that obedience to parents is the foundation of a healthy society? Children learning to do what you're told. That's, that's the, listen, that's the foundation of any healthy society. The kids have to learn to do what they're told. You know, that, that's a key issue. And that should definitely be different in our homes. It's not, listen, in the world today, it's frowned upon. In the world today, obeying anyone is frowned upon. You know, but if you want to take the modern attitude to authority, you really have to chuck the Bible. Because the Bible is very clear about this whole thing. We're all under authority. But in our day and age, what's happening is, <clears throat> you know, uh, disobedience to parents, that's fine. It ought not to be so amongst us, folks. It really ought not to be so amongst us. Unthankful. Now, thankfulness, again, looks small to us, but it's huge. You got said in Romans, uh, when they knew God, glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Wherefore, God gave them up. God said, I want to do with you. You're not thankful. See, being thankful is recognizing, you know what? I'm a little creature running around in this earth, and there is a God who created all of it, and he's in charge. And I need to be thankful to him because he created it all. I need to be thankful to him because he feeds me, because he looks after me, because he gives me everything I need. I need to be thankful every day to this God. <clears throat> we, we need to be thankful, but we don't live in a thankful society. We live in an entitled society. We live in a society that expects a lot, that demands a lot. You know, if I'm not working today, well, I expect somebody to meet my bills because I have a right to everything that I need, and somebody's got to provide it. You know, the government's got to provide it. Somebody's got to provide it. But I'm entitled. And, you know, there's, there's no such thing as thankfulness now for people. People expect, you know, somebody, somewhere, uh, including God, has got to provide for me. But that's not the way it's been. You know, that's not the way it's always been. You know, if you go back and you look in the, in the book of Ruth, <clears throat> Ruth is so thankful to God and to Boaz. Do you know Why? Because he told his, his people, listen, just leave some handfuls of corn for her. Let, let, let her. let her come up. Let her glean. Didn't feed her. Didn't set her up. Didn't kind of give her a weekly income. He just left some handfuls of corn. And, and she is so thankful for it. You know what? Our society is different to that, isn't it? Our society is completely different to that. And we're, we're, we're an ungrateful people. And we're ungrateful in part because we're so blessed. We are so blessed. We have so much. Listen, <clears throat> most of the, of the people in the world today and throughout the history of the world have been concerned about having food on the table. We're not. <laughs> that's, that's not even a consideration for us. And we live in an unthankful age, an unholy, definitely an unholy age. You know, <clears throat> listen, there's always been sin in the world. That's... <clears throat> You know, we need to be honest about that. This, it's not like, you know, the good old days were sinless and, the, and we're in the bad old days and there, uh, there, there's sin now. There's always been sin in the world, but you know what? Sin was a thing to be ashamed of 50 years ago. Universally, it was a thing to be ashamed of. Now it's not. Now it's a thing to promote. Now it's a thing to push. 
Now it's a thing to force everybody else to tolerate and to accept. See, it's changed. It's different. Uh, Without natural affection. You see, there's a natural affection uh, for us. You know, it's natural for a man to love a woman. It's natural for uh, people to want children. Those, those things are natural. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 there, there are natural affections that are there. But what we see today is we see unnatural affections. Or without natural affection. You know, a generation that really don't want to have children because it costs too much. It's too expensive. You know, um, a generation that think it's okay, and we'll, we'll, we'll look at the institution of marriage tonight, but, but thinks it's okay for a man to marry a, a man. That's an unnatural affection. Those things are unnatural. But here's the problem for us. Is the problem for us is we live in a society that says, no, that's okay. Whatever everybody wants to do is okay. That's fine. What's your problem with it? But <clears throat> I don't have a problem with it. God does. That's the issue. And there's a problem with it. There's natural affections and then there's unnatural. And you live in an age that's promoting these things that if you're not careful, you just get sucked in. You just get sucked in. You go with the flow. Because it's, you you know, you're pounded with it all the time. It's coming at you all the time. You've got to be careful that you don't get sucked in with these things. Truce breakers don't keep their word. You know, it's amazing today how little store people put by their word. You know, people will make their word and they'll look at you and break their word and, and um, they don't even care. You know, it's, 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 it's a new phenomenon. There was a day when, a, you know, when a man's a word was his bond and um, if a man broke his word, that was a dreadful shame. That was something that people would talk about. Not now. That's just the way it goes. Uh, truce breakers. <clears throat> False accusers. Uh, people who, sorry, <clears throat> yeah, false accusers, people who just will slander and accuse, and they, they, they're not worried about it. They will, they will just tear people down. By the way, one of the things that's happened in our society, and <clears throat> we need to understand it. Listen, I think all those abuse cases in the Catholic Church need to be dealt with, and it needed to be worked through, and it needed to be, you know, those people needed their day to actually have their say, right? But, you know, the effect upon our society of tearing down authority on that level is right down to the core. It's fundamental because when you tear authority down, you can't isolate it. You can't say this authority was bad, so we're going to tear that down. What happens is all authority gets torn down. Everybody says, well, I'm not going to obey anybody because you can't trust them. You know, so all authority has gotten torn down. So now we're much more lawless than we used to be. Not just in the guns and in the crime and everything else, but just in the woofing fabric of society. You know, I listened to a guy, um, no, he was, he was older than me, he was in his 60s, I think, and he, and he had a ponytail down the back of his neck, so that kind of gives you an indication of the kind of guy he was. But, but he's, he was spouting out of him, and he was saying, we were not meant to be under authority, we were not made to be under anybody's authority. And I thought, where did you get that? Everything in society has always worked with authority, that's just the way it goes, but not today. You know, when you remove authority, you have what the book of Judges Judges, uh, says, there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's anarchy. And let me tell you this. Anarchy is terrifying for everybody. There's not even, you know, the few at the top who can actually, um, you know, feel safe in it. I mean, look at the gang crime there is in Dublin and in Ireland at the moment, all the gang crime that's going on. You, you would think, well, there are some people who are isolated at the top, but no, they're not. When you have anarchy working uh, in that system, well, nobody's safe. 
Absolutely no. When anarchy creeps into society, nobody's safe. You know, listen, one of the blessings you have is a man in a blue uniform that holds up his hand and everybody stops because he's got authority. And when that man no longer has authority, you know what? You are in trouble. Because he may, he may give you the ticket one day. He may <clears throat> get in your face and cause you a problem someday. But you know what the reality is? In general, he's protecting you. He's actually protecting society. And we need authority. And authority is a very fragile thing. It is a really fragile thing. You know, as we look at these different nations that have cast off bad rulers, and nobody's defending the rulers, you know. Nobody's saying they were good or they were nice people or anything else. But what they've done is they've risen up and they've cast off their rulers. Well, you know what? Egypt did it last year, and they're now about to do it again. They're going to cast off a new set of rulers. You know, and what happens is authority is removed. And you can't get it back. I mean, nobody would say that Iraq is a more lawful place uh, since <clears throat> Saddam Hussein was taken out of it. it. Listen, he was a bad guy. But you know what? It's not a more lawful place. When you tear down authority like that and people tear down authority, listen, it doesn't get better. So, <clears throat> look, we can't live in fear because of it, but we need to be aware. That's the kind of society that we're living in. That's the kind of a society that, that is around us. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, incontinent, that's a, <clears throat> that, that's a very descriptive word. Uh, what it means is unable to control themselves. They're not able to control themselves. You know, we live in a society where scary things happen, and the scary things happen because people are not able to control themselves. They're not able to actually say no to themselves, so they're doing what they feel like. They're not operating, operating according to any principle or any code. They're just doing whatever they feel like. I read a, uh, a plaque the other day, uh, interesting to me. It said this, <clears throat> if I can remember it rightly. Uh, it said, I am terrified of living in a world run by people who never got spanked when they were children and were giving award, given awards just for showing up. <clears throat> and you know what? We're fast getting to the place where we're living in a world run by people who've never been disciplined. Listen, it's a dangerous world, perilous world. <clears throat> Um, uh, <clears throat> despisers of those that are good. Uh, <clears throat> let me read you something here that I think will be a help to you. Uh, in 1988, evangelical philosoph philosopher and theologian Carl Henry made a stunning prediction in his book, Twilight of a Great Civilization. He said that as America progressively loses its Judeo-Christian heritage, paganism would grow bolder. What we saw in the last half of the 20th century was a kind of benign humanism. But he predicted that by the start of the 21st century, we would face a situation not unlike the first century when the Christian faith confronted raw paganism, humanism with the pretty face ripped off, revealing the angry monster underneath. His words have come true and are coming truer with every passing day. <clears throat> Look, understand this, that you are not going to be embraced because you're good. You are not going to be embraced because you're, you're holier, because you're godly, and because you walk with God. That's not going to happen. It, our passage here, Paul's going to say to us, um, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We are living in days when it's not considered a good deal to be holy. Because you know what being holy makes you? Being holy makes you intolerant. Being holy puts you in the place where what you're doing is you're doing what God would have you to do and not what man would have you to do. And you're going to stand out like a sore thumb because the law today is whatever somebody wants to do, it's fine, just tolerate it. 
It doesn't matter. There are no rules. As long as they're not hurting somebody else, uh, it's fine. And you're, if, you're not, if, you're, if you're going to live God's way in this dark day, it's going to cost you. There's going to be a price tag upon it. But we've got to understand that, you know, being a Christian in this day and age is, is, is not an easy lot. Now, I do fear for us. I fear for us because I think we've gotten soft over the years. And I think we've gotten drawn into the world to some extent. I think what, what, what happens for us is, you know, we get soft, we get drawn into the world, and um, <clears throat> the idea of making a stand becomes harder for us. And there are easy options. There are easier ways of doing it, we think, but there's really not. If we want to stand for God, we've got to stand on the ground that God has given us, and we've got to hold on to it. Um, <clears throat> Verse 4, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Folks, listen, we're there. That's where the, that's where the world is. But look at verse 5, because this is <clears throat> a little bit scary to me. Um, <clears throat> it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. <clears throat> the problem here is that, listen, it's going to be found in the church. And here's what, as we see the world unravel around us, the church becomes a very attractive place because there's order, there's structure, there's hope in the church. But you know, the church's order, structure, and hope come from the fact that we have an ordered, structured one who has the power to deliver on hope. But when you take the church and turn the church into an organization whose aim is to meet needs, what happens is you remove the power thereof. You see, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof is it, coming to the place, you know, where listen, we recognize God's there. We recognize our need of God. <clears throat> no, sorry, we don't recognize our need of God. We recognize our need of structure and righteousness and those things. But you know what? We don't want to go all the way as far as God is concerned. We don't want to let God be God and say, okay, God, listen, your word says it. That's the, <clears throat> the end of it. Uh, we're doing it. And if you look at churches today, that's exactly what you're finding. You're finding churches that really look at the Word of God and say, yeah, well, listen, we love God and we want to walk with God, but the Word, this is the 21st century. Nobody could live that way in the 21st century. You've got to make it happen. You've got to work, you work out the best you can in this day and age. And so, you know, listen, if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit, let's, let's pitch it. And you have people that will go to a church, that will get baptized, that will be part of the church, but they won't come to the place where they actually surrender to the God of the church and, and do things his way. <clears throat> uh, let me read you uh, what somebody else wrote here. It will be a religion for religion's sake and not religion for the sake of knowing Christ. They will join the church or some other religious organization. They will be baptized, attend the services, sing and pray and give and go uh, through the motions, but their hearts will not be in it. They will deny the very power they profess to believe. In particular, they will embrace a kind of postmodern religion that allows them to do anything, believes anything, endorses anything, live any way they choose, as long as it makes them happy. They will say things like, we don't need to be bound by the outdated rules of the Bible. Those were written 2,000 years ago and don't apply to us today. That's not far-fetched. You can say things like that today and be elected a bishop in some denominations. That's the truth, though. What you've got is you've got people taking on religion, but denying the power thereof, putting it to one side. And you know, and the, the problem is it looks good. You know, it looks good. It looks actually <clears throat> like it works. 
But the truth of it is it's rotten to the very core. See what Paul says, by the way. <clears throat> From such turn away. Have nothing to do with them. Have n- Remember, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You, know, you put the leaven in the bread, the leaven swells up, and all the bread is affected by it. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Look, we've got to be careful in this day and age that we don't let humanism into the church, that we don't come to the place where we're, where we're letting humanism run the church. We have a book. We have a word. We have a way. It's true. It stood the test of time. It will continue to. We need to have it as our guide. We need to let it uh, run things for us. Um, he goes on there to condemn uh, the apostate leaders. He talks about Janes and Jambres. Those two guys are the guys who withstood Moses. They were the, the, the Egyptian magicians uh, who duplicated the miracles of Moses. And you know what? You're going to see it. We're seeing it already. We're seeing churches that are not churches. And what they're doing is they're duplicating what the church does and making it look like, like the church when it's not the church at all. You see, you know the church by the truth it preaches but the reality of the truth it preaches. It's got to preach that truth, and that truth has got to be binding on us. We've got to actually live it. All right. But Paul also gives us here three survival strategies, right? And let's quickly look at these. Verse 10, he says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Uh, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But even men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Right? What he says is, first of all, he says, listen, follow godly leaders. You need to follow godly And Paul is putting himself forward here for Timothy. Paul's in prison. Uh, he's giving <clears throat> uh, final, word to t- final words to Timothy here, and he's saying, listen, you know my life. You know where I stand. You know the way I've lived. You know the price I've paid for it. Timothy, follow me. Follow godly leaders. Now, one of the things we need to do is we need to establish godly leadership in our life, and we need to follow it. Authority is a huge issue in this day and age. It's one of the things that's going to help us come through it. And listen, we've got several deals going against us as far as authority is concerned. We've seen churches fail. And what, what's happened is that's affected everybody. But uh, for those of us that are Irish here, uh, you know, our, our, our national characteristic is rebels. Right? And I'm an Irishman. Uh, we, were, we were raised uh, on, a, you know, a diet of rebellion against England and against everybody. And it's in the warp and woof of who we are. You know, uh, it was amazing the Catholic Church actually held sway for so long, but I'm telling you, when it went, it went with a bang, and it's gone, it's finished, and so on. But you know what? We need to understand rebellion will not work. Going our own way, doing our own thing. We need to follow godly leaders. Listen, we need church. You need church. You know, we can't go it alone. Uh, we, we can't be a people that actually make it happen by ourselves. We need to follow godly leaders. Secondly, you need to continue in what you have learned. Look at verses 14 and 15. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in in Christ Jesus. Listen, keep on doing what you're doing. Here's, Here's the problem. When everything changes in society, you know what happens to us? We get kind of shaken up. When everything changes around us and things begin to go awry and things begin to fall apart, we get shaken up and we're saying, well, hang on a minute, are are, are we sure we've got it right? 
You know, when the onslaught of society is against the position you hold, you tend to want to actually change your position. That's normal. You're a social creature. Be something wrong with you if those thoughts didn't go through your head. But Paul says, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and being assured of. That you're to hold fast. I talked to a parent here recently, and um, this parent was changing all kinds of things in their family, um, basically because of the situation today and things are changing today and then all kinds of things. And I, I, I said this to them. I said, listen, don't do it. I said, if for no other reason than this, your children will not know where to put the standard down again when you pull it up. They will be shaken to their core and they will not know where to put it down again. Listen, when you get shaken because society is changing, dig in. Don't change with society. Don't let your thinking go awry. Listen, do it God's way and keep doing it God's way. And listen, the pressure is on God, not on you. But when you change it to assimilate, to make it look better because society changes it, you're in trouble. Listen, right across the board, psychology has a benefit. Let me say that to you. Uh, psychology has a benefit in studying people and knowing what's happening with them and in looking at the physical side of things, uh, psychiatry. But when it comes to psychology, psychology basically rejects God because it's based on a whole system that rejects God. Now, much of the self-help stuff that you can find out there is based on psychology and it rejects God. And you can say, well, I can, I can, look, I can take, I can uh, eat the meat and spit out the bones. I will guarantee you, some of the bones will stick for you. <clears throat> I will guarantee you, unless you're very careful, what happens is you get influenced by it. You get influenced uh, by the humanism, uh, by a system that basically rejects God. Now, understand this. The Bible says this, and God makes it so clear for us. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of Lord is the, the Lord is the starting point of wisdom. Now listen, if you start somewhere else along the line and not at the starting point, you know what? You miss it. Right? Well, say you send your child to school and your child never learns their, 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 their addition tables. Right? They never learn their addition tables. They never actually get them down and so on. That child is hampered all of their lives. Apart from using a calculator, right? <clears throat> uh, but the child is ha- hampered, you know, uh, because you need those basic facts to make it work. You know, if, if the child never learns uh, the basics of phonetics and spelling, they're hampered. I was. I was raised in a system, <clears throat> taught in a system where it was kind of sight reading. It took me forever to get a handle on spelling. <clears throat> you know, when you, when you miss the basics, you end up being foolish. When you do not take God as being the basics of it all, and what you go on from there, you end up building a tower that's built on sand. It's foolishness because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you've got to be careful what you're taking in. You've got to bring it all back to God. You've got to look at it all through a sphere that makes God the center of it all, God the beginning of wisdom, because if you don't, you go awry. You'll be taken off. <clears throat> so what you've got to do is you've got to stick with um, the things you've learned and have been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Right? And he brings it back to the Scriptures. And the third one is you've got to <clears throat> let the Word of God make you complete. Now, <clears throat> look, I realize when we hold up this book in this day and age, there are very few people out there that will say, oh, yeah, that, that, that is the Word of God. There are very few. 
I mean, even amongst Christians, there are very few that will actually hold it up and say, well, yeah, that's all the Word of God. And by the way, even those that say it's all the Word of God, when it comes to obeying it, they'll say to you, well, you know what, that's fine for you, but uh, really other people see it differently. And what they'll do is they'll take the black and white and they'll tell you it's different. And that's not really holding it up as the authority. Now, remember, we have got to hold to the authority of the Word of God all the way through. And it's only as authoritative as we actually allow it to be in our lives. That's where the reality of the authority of the Word is, is manifested, that we actually allow it to be the authority in our lives. Now, what we've got to do is we've got to actually take this, the Word of God, and we've got to let it complete us. Look what it says, uh, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. This is profitable for you. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's profitable for teaching you. It's profitable for reproving you. It's profitable for (coughs) correcting you. And it's profitable to show you what is the right way to go. That the man of God may be perfect. Now, that word perfect means mature. That the man of God may be mature, thoroughly furnished, Unto all good works. Do you know what? You can actually mature through the Word of God. Now, here's the problem for you. The maturity of the Word that the Word of God brings and the maturity that the world expects today are totally different. You're going to be a different kind of a beast. You're you're going to look different. You're going to walk different. You're going to be so different. If you raise your kids uh, to let the Word of God make them mature, they're going to be different in this day and age. They're going to be different than, than, than the rest of the world. It's going to be evident in their lives that they're different. They won't fit in. They can't fit in. And you won't fit in. You can't fit in. That's why Paul says, All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If we get it right and we live godly in these last days, what's going to happen is we're going to recognize that the, the world doesn't like it. The, the world doesn't want your salt. The world doesn't want you stepping in and pointing out what God thinks of their situation. The world doesn't want you to be light showing up the darkness of their sin. It doesn't want it. And what you'll find is increasingly they're going to reject you and it because they don't want that. But this is God's way. And you know, when it comes to reaching the world with the gospel, it's his gospel. And his gospel has his power behind it. And it becomes increasingly difficult But when it becomes increasingly difficult, you know what? It demands more of him to do it. And what's happening for the church is the church is pulling away from him and moving away from the reality that that he has for us and trying to do it a different way, and it can't be done. We live in a dark day. We live in a day when there's a lot of stuff against us. We live in a day when the enemy would would like to just eradicate, tear down, And if he can't eradicate and tear down, he'd like to just compromise us and put us in a place where there's no power, where there's no clarity, where there's no truth to the Word, where there's no stand for the Word of God. But you know what? We also live in an exciting day. Because I can't but believe that the glorious God that we serve, the God that loves the world, the God that loves souls, the God that sent his Son to die on the cross to save souls from their sin, hasn't got a plan for these last of the last days. I can't believe that he hasn't got a plan that he's going to reach out in a mighty way. Now, let me ask you. Is he going to reach out through compromise? Or is he going to reach out through a people who stand firm upon him and his word? Has he ever reached out through compromise? 
Who did he use? Did he use Abraham or Lot? Wasn't Lot in a much better place to be used? Didn't Lot have the ear of Sodom? Didn't, didn't Lot, wasn't Lot in the place where he could talk to them? <clears throat> Who did he use? Did he use, use uh, Elijah or did he use Obed? He used Elijah, the man that stood on the outside of him, the man that stood for him. And always what God does is God takes and uses the people who stand for him regardless of what's happening. So listen, you can be sure that if we stand on the truth, that we'll be in the right place for God to use us. But you know what? We sung a song there, No Never Alone. That's true. When we stand for him, we'll never be alone. We'll never be in the place where we're alone. We may feel like we're alone. We may feel like, listen, things look difficult, and they will look difficult, and they will be difficult. But you know what? We'll never be alone. Now think about it for a minute. Would you like to coast, ama- coast along in a nice, easy compromise that is going nowhere, that has no power, and that really touches nobody? Or would you like to make a stand for God and know his presence and his power in these days? You know what? I think the day is going to be taken by the people who have the courage to stand for God regardless of how dark it looks and how impossible it looks. And you know... <clears throat> God says we will never be ashamed. And we won't be ashamed. There's coming a day when he will right the wrongs, when he will turn it around, and he will show what is true and what is right. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. We live in a dark day. That's a reality. It's getting darker and will get darker. <clears throat> That's that's not something for us to be overly concerned about because we have a God who's on top of it and who's in charge. And we, by faith, need to stand for him in this day. Um, <clears throat> so we stand back and look at this passage as a whole. <clears throat> we can summarize it in a few, summarize it in a few key, key statements. The world will get worse. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. That's not doom and gloom. That's reality. It's going to get worse. <clears throat> Tough times are coming. Don't be discouraged. It's easier to stand strong if you don't stand alone. Don't stand alone. You can't stand alone on this day. And believers who build their lives on the Bible may be persecuted, but they will never be defeated. Amen. And you know, one day soon, it's going to be over. Amen. One day soon, God is going to actually judge the actions of men. God is going to judge right and wrong. God is going to actually say where it stands. Where are you going to stand in that day? Let me challenge you. Where are the compromises in your life today? Where are the areas in your life where you're looking at the word of God, but you're actually saying, yeah, I know it says that, but, you know, that doesn't work in my life. You know, understand this. You're compromising there. And when you compromise, what's going to happen to you is you're going to get drawn down a path you don't particularly want to go. Where are the areas in your life where you're taking your teaching from a world that's gone wrong? Not undergearded by the law of God. Not undergearded by the one who actually knows. Where are the areas where you're not really basing yourself upon the fear of the Lord? And one last thing. <clears throat> you're here this morning and God... Uh, is dealing with you, and you're trying to you're trying to wade your way through all of this. Because I I understand. Listen, that there's an amount of stuff for us to wade through uh, in these days. <clears throat> but you realize, listen, you don't know him. 
You don't know this God. You'd like to know him. You know, coming to church doesn't make you know God. Being brought to church as a child doesn't get that mean you know God. You know church. You may know people in church. The only way you can get to know God is when you come to the place where you realize, I am a sinner. I deserve hell. But Jesus died for my sins. And when you bow before the one who died to save you from your sins and cry out to him, you know what? He says he'll save you. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you will call out to him, he will save you. It will be done. It will be, it will be the reality of your life. You can be his child. Don't put your trust in your background. Don't put your trust in <clears throat> the fact that you prayed a prayer. There has to be a time when you came to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and it happened for you. And listen, it's a wonderful day. It's the best day of life bar none. But there has to be that day for each one of us. Listen, we're living through troubling times. We're living through perilous times. But you know what? <clears throat> we have a God who's able for all the peril. We have a God who's more than able and more than strong enough to deal with the situation in, in Ireland in 2012. All we need to do is trust him. If you're not born again, today would be a great day for you to get born again. Let's have everybody stand quietly to your feet. Father in heaven, would you deal with us now in these few moments, we pray. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And God is dealing with you. Let me ask you first of all, you don't know him as your Savior. You've never been born again. <clears throat> would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody here, listen, you've never been born again and you know you need to be born again. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? I won't point you out in any way. <clears throat> Anybody at all, you know you need to be born again. All right, then. Well, I'm going to assume that <clears throat> as far as you're concerned, everybody in this room is born again, right? So let me ask you as a child of God, let me ask you some things. Are you compromised in your life? Are there areas of life where you know what the Word of God says, but you're living different? You know what the Bible says. You know the Bible says something is right and something is wrong, but you're going against it. You're living in a different way. Is there an area of compromise in your life? If there is, would you lift your hand so that I can pray for you? Amen. An area in your life where you know the Bible says do one thing, but you're doing something else. Anybody else? Let me ask one other question. You're here this morning and you look to the Word of God and you say, you know what, that's true. I believe what the pastor says. But your life has taken a different direction and your teaching and your <clears throat> way forward is not based upon the Bible. And you're saying, that's what I need. I need, to be, I need my teaching, my training. I need my life to be based upon the Bible, based upon the fear of God. Lord, help me. Would you just lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. 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 Now, Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for <clears throat> uh, being a blessing uh, to your people. Lord, would you <clears throat> move in hearts and lives today, Lord, that... Or we're raising hands, but or may it be real, may it be true in lives, or may it be that we walk with you uh, in an understanding way, and that we take your word and that we follow it and live by it. And Lord, these are indeed dark days, but or may it not be fear that, <clears throat> that that grips our heart, but Lord, may it be faith. And may we look to you and depend upon you, Lord, and that as the days grow darker, that your power will be greater and that we will see you do great things in our midst. Lord, we look to you and depend upon you. Would you do it now in Jesus' name? Amen.